We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We have David Dorner with us this morning. He is a friend of ours, been on the show a bajillion times. I don't even know. I've lost count at this point. A bajillion. Bajillion. Good morning, David. Good morning. We're so glad to have you here. David is transitioning into a lead pastor at Frontline Community Church in Grand Rapids. And we want to talk this morning about revival. We so long for revival. We want to see, you know, God come, like come in your fullness. We want to be on fire for God. We don't want to be lukewarm. We want to see this happen, not just individually, but, you know, a revival for West Michigan. There are people who have committed themselves to that, Mm -hmm. that revival would happen here in West Michigan. What's it going to take? Yeah, what's it going to take? It's a great question. Uh, I'll take you back a couple years ago. Uh, something that I was wrestling through. I was just in a season where, like, you know, those seasons of life where it's like, you're just tired, you're just exhausted. Maybe the spiritual tank is starting to run low and you just start wondering, like, God, what am I doing here? Uh, or, or maybe you even ask this, like, God, what are you doing here? Are you yeah. here? Are you <laughs> present? Do you care? Do you see me? Uh, so I went on a retreat uh, and it was for pastors. So it was a pretty small retreat. And uh, what I didn't know on that retreat is we're going to have a number of different people pray over us. And they didn't hear my prayers going into, you know, this retreat. They didn't hear the emptiness. They didn't know. I mean, really nobody that I was walking into this thing with really knew me or knew where I was coming from or history. Uh, But when they prayed over us, uh, it was probably top two most impactful experiences Mm -hmm. of my life. I mean, just off the charts, incredible. And one of the things that they prayed over me right at the very beginning um, was, David, God wants to do a revival. Like God, God wants a revival in this land and in this area and in West Michigan. Uh, but before he could do anything, God wants to revive something in you. And it was, man, the way that they prayed that, the way that that hit, the way that that just spoke to something deep inside uh, was an acknowledgement. A revival means something's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like a need right. for a revival means something's dead. And so it just made me turn and look and go, man, what are the things inside of me that have died mm-hmm. that God's going, I want to bring that back to life. I think when when a revival, when we experience a revival in a community or in a city or in a state, a, a nation, a culture, when we experience that, I think it's because enough dead people want to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. They, they want to come back to life and then God works through that. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that one of the tactics of the enemy is just just keep us busy enough that we aren't noticing things like that. You know what I mean? That we aren't doing the reflective work of you were feeling all the signs of death, Mm -hmm. right? You said I was exhausted. I was tired. I was burned out. I was, where are you, God? Where am I? What am I doing here? All of that was there. And yet you hadn't yet gotten to the point where you're like, okay, I need to look inside and find out what's going on here and what God wants Mm -hmm. to bring back to life. So I do, I feel like that's one of the pieces, but I'm hearing you say, we're going to have to stop or at least slow down enough to be able to take that look to get there. And we need the Holy Spirit to have that change in our hearts, to have that resurrection. And you used to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I sure did. So how does that work I out? sure did. Well, I, I heard a, a pastor say this recently. The Trinity that he grew up with was God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Scriptures. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's this piece too, especially if you grow up like uh, in a church that doesn't necessarily celebrate or highlight a lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You kind of think like maybe maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. Maybe he doesn't do stuff like that anymore. Uh, and so it, it could lead you to a place of like sometimes people that that exercise some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, or say they do, they they kind of come across as weird. And so I, I heard a, a pastor once say, um, she got up and she goes, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. 
people are weird. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was I like, that. that is so true. There's a bunch of weird people running around. <laughs> yeah. But I think there, there's this hesitation or there's there's this fear of like, oh, man, what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit shows up? Right. You read in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit showed up and tongues of fire and speaking in different languages and being led places that they didn't always want to go. I mean, it's scary stuff. I've heard people refer to the Holy Spirit as, you know, he's kind of like that crazy uncle that you never know exactly what's going to happen, you know, when the family yeah. gets together, if the uncle shows up. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's the, it's the unpredictability of the Holy, like when the Holy Spirit enters the room, things change. Mm-hmm. And I think in a, a culture, in a world, and even in our lifestyle, uh, so many of us do everything we can to avoid sudden or surprising change. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I mean, th- this is a part of the Trinity. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes and shows up, things change. And so, you know, a big part of my resistance or fear is I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm afraid to give him access to parts of my life because what what if he changes things in a way that I don't want to go? Yeah. So what did it take for you to submit or surrender to mm-hmm. and trust the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Uh, this is a, So this isn't in our notes. We haven't talked about this or anything. You know what it took was healing. Um, and, but like on a, on like a spiritual type of healing, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, lots of damage growing up, lots of brokenness, lots of bad experiences. Lot of, and so I think when you, when you have a broken relationship or a broken trust with your heavenly father or through the person of Jesus, when you don't see them correctly, that bleeds into every other area of your life. And so you kind of go, man, if, if I had a hard time or if I have brokenness that I've carried from my marriage or from my childhood or from my parents or from a sibling, mm-hmm. from a form of a abuse, we we learn to function as like a very self-protective, and sometimes we relate to God that way. Mm-hmm. So as I've worked on healing in some of the bigger, more traumatic areas of my life growing up, what I've learned is I've given God more and more access to my heart, and I've allowed him to lead me in ways that I, I didn't anticipate or necessarily even ask for. But man, when the Holy Spirit shows up, when there's healing that takes place there, what you learn is God is good, God is faithful, mm-hmm. he's kind, he's caring, he's loving. And what he wants to do is just give you a gift. And that gift is the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you and minister to you in a way that nobody else can. You and I need the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, but sometimes we're afraid of the Holy Spirit because, you know, of all that weird stuff that we've heard about or maybe we've experienced. And so we need to get over, we need to be healed from our fear of the Holy Spirit in order to have him change us. I know for me, David, one of the ways that I've seen the Holy Spirit, you know, break out of my box is just by seeing him do things that I didn't expect him to do. And I've heard of guys who go to the Middle East and they see Jesus do things like he did back in the Bible times, and they they went there thinking, God doesn't move like that anymore. And then they come back knowing God still works in the way that he does in the Bible. You know, And for me personally, like a Muslim background believer in Jesus named Aaron, who was in the studio here a number of years ago, and looked at me and said, I went into the mosque to pray, and I had a vision of Jesus, and he said, get up and leave the mosque and follow me. He's sitting across the table as close as you. And then I had a guy named Yasser, and I was talking with him in Thailand back in 2017. He said, I hated Christians, but my cousin 
was dying in a coma and Christians came in and prayed for him and he was healed. And I gave my life over to Jesus. You know, I was this close to him. And my friend Umar said, I was this close to Umar. And Umar said, I wanted, I was going to a meeting to kill Christians with my friends. But when I heard the message of God's grace, it melted me and broke my heart. And I gave my life over to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit works in the ways that he did in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And when we see the beauty of him working, I think it can help us with our fears. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I I think so many of us we we either read through scripture, we read through the book of Acts. I mean, when I read Acts, it's like, holy smokes, this thing was just on fire. I mean, it literally like it was, right? The tongues of fire yeah. that's on all of their heads. I mean, it it says even like when the Holy Spirit showed up, it was like a rushing wind. Yeah. Like a like a tornado type of wind, like just, you know, woof, the Holy Spirit shows up. Jesus said over and over and over, he goes, "It it's better that I leave you so that the advocate comes." Mm-hmm. Like it's better like we don't even have a concept for like, that so better often. Better than Jesus? Exactly. It it's like, you're here. I can yeah. high five you. Yeah. Like we're in the room. We're in this together. Like I, it's like there, there was such a security, mm-hmm. I think for the disciples of Jesus when they were with Jesus. And, and we see that too, when Jesus was gone. So like when he was in the tomb and he resurrected, but the disciples hadn't yet found him, they were terrified. They lock themselves in the house, right? They're hiding, they're undercover, whatever. And then Jesus shows up and it's when Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit shows up, it's like it notched in this totally different gear for all of those disciples. So when we hear stories like that um, about many of your friends, whether they're in the Middle East, whether they're in Thailand, um, sometimes too, like I, here's something I was thinking about even as I was driving in today. What's happening right now in the American church that churches are emptying and stadiums are filling? what's missing in the local church that people are just going, it just feels like, like, what are we doing sometimes? Mm-hmm. Like we're missing something. There's something significant that's absent. And I think it's the Holy Spirit. I think we need a hunger and a desire for the Holy Spirit that I've experienced every time I travel overseas. Uh, I'm heading to Guatemala here in like two weeks. Every time I travel overseas, I experience a hunger mm-hmm. and a familiarity and a comfort with the Holy Spirit in other cultures and other countries that I don't experience here. I would say I had the same experience. I was in Budapest in in August. Um, was in Hungary, also in the Czech Republic, and I found myself walking around through the streets. I was just being a tourist. I wasn't there on mission. I wasn't there with a group of Christians or anything. I was there with my husband, and he's safe. So yeah, the two of us we were a group of Christians. But anyway, we're just doing the touristic thing, right? But as I'm walking through the city, the Holy Spirit kept like. Um, highlighting people that I was seeing as I was walking through the city. I'd be on a bus or on a tram or just walking down the street. And I'd see somebody in need or somebody like walking with a limp or or with a, a cane or whatever. And I would feel compelled to pray for healing for that person. I didn't walk over there and ask them if I could pray for them and lay my hands on them. And we didn't bow our heads in the middle of the street. You know, I just prayed like, Lord, Bring healing, make, you know, that pain go away that's causing that limp right now or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I just felt like, how did you say it? it that's what I felt. I felt like I was connected with the Holy Spirit or aware of his presence and what he wanted to do in a highlighted way. Yeah. Something, uh, I just used this quote last week. It was Mark Batterson. So pastor down South. I don't even know what church. I can't remember. He's in Washington, D.C. D.C. There it yeah. is. Mark yeah. Batterson. So here's his quote. He said, a change of pace plus a change of space equals a change of perspective. 
And every time I go overseas, my pace is different, the space is different, and all of a sudden what I see, I see God work and move in totally different ways, and it opens me up to go, wow, I'm a part of something way bigger. Okay, so that might be an option for you, but what if it's not? If you're like, hey, that's great, I got to go overseas to experience the Holy Spirit, but I'm stuck right here in yeah. the States. Yeah, so here, here's two <laughs> things. I mean, I'll throw, so change of pace and change of space. Space doesn't have to mean culture. Space doesn't have to mean country. Space doesn't have to mean airplane. If I can change my pace and I slow down, and if I change the space and I say, Holy Spirit, maybe I'm going to give you access to a space that I haven't given you access before. Prepare for a change of perspective. Mm-hmm. Prepare for a move of God. Prepare for him to come. When you when you show up where, where God moves, I think it most powerfully, most of the time, it's not on a stage watched by thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. It's in a closet at home. Mm-hmm. It's just you. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the most powerful, impactful, uh, life-changing experiences that I've had with the Holy Spirit, nobody else has been around. Nobody else has been there for. Nobody else witnessed or something. But Holy Spirit met me in such a powerful mm-hmm. and tangible way. And so here's what so many of us are scared of. God's going to do that wild, crazy thing, and everybody's going to see, and now I'm going to be tagged and weird. Holy Spirit just wants to be good to you in the mm-hmm. private spaces, not even just of your home or your life, but of your heart. And here's another thing. Here's a thought, and it relates with this, is that there is this strong idea, even theology, that once the Bible was written, these things, you know, these miraculous things stopped happening. And here's the thing about that. The Holy Spirit is never going to do anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to be afraid when it's really the Holy Spirit working and this maybe is simplifying it, but this can quell our fears. When it's really the Holy Spirit, it will never contradict God's word. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes on people and people are weird and people are still, they're not perfect yet. And so they might, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, if you will, do some dumb things. All right, let's just give that. But the principle is that the Holy Spirit never contradicts the word. The mm-hmm. word is the anchor The word is the foundation. The Holy Spirit always works to lift up and elevate the word, Jesus, the gospel. So Romans 15, verse 18 and 19, it says this. Uh, This is Paul talking, and remember, this is after Jesus. So he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through Mm. the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. What Paul says is all three of those are represented there. Mm -hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy mm. Spirit are all represented. And he said, here's the full gospel. They all work together. They all work together. So if you're afraid of the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm just going to quote somebody really, really wise who I once heard just say, Holy Spirit just wants to be good to you. We are talking today about revival our hearts for God to come in his fullness for us to experience everything that he has for us. We so long for that here in West Michigan, in our individual churches, in our interstate, in our country. We long for that. And yet at the same time as we long for that, and maybe that's why we long for it, we see things happening in the world today that are just like crazy stuff that we didn't have to deal with, you know, when we were teenagers and we were kids. So how do we pass on, you know, our, our longing for 
the next generation to to come on fire for God. And and our concern from them is they're facing all kinds of difficult things today. Mm-hmm. Man, what a loaded question. Uh, I get so excited about this topic. And I, I said off air, I, I just amped about this because, mm-hmm. man, if we look at revival too, I, I think revival, if revival comes to West Michigan, I think it's going to, if revival comes to West Michigan, it's going to start with the next generation. I mean, it, the the rooms that I'm in with them, the people that I'm running with in that age group, doesn't matter if it's on college campuses or just uh, those that maybe are in high school right now or middle school, there's a hunger mm-hmm. right now from that next generation that I think a lot of people aren't seeing behind the scenes, but they are hungry for the Holy Spirit to lead them. Yeah, and that's really cool that you say that because the Gen Z is getting thrown under the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the generation that's that's... You know, going astray, and it's not necessarily their fault, but the culture has discipled them, and you know, well, doom the, and gloom. Yeah, the culture has discipled them, but it, so is the church. You know, and so have a lot of churches. It, it's been, or they have been discipled in a certain way, or maybe a certain vein. That I, I think there's like some pushback or or uh, some challenge that's coming from the next generation. So if I hear anything, especially from my position at Frontline, uh, and just as I'm working with adults, uh, parents, and grandparents, and great grandparents, there's this longing that they would see their kids and grandkids and great grandkids just come alive and be on fire for the Lord. Uh, but where a lot of them are doing that isn't in the in the normal what i would say like normal church context on a sunday morning yeah okay. a lot more of it's happening behind the scenes a lot more of it's like in smaller groups or uh, i've been at cornerstone's chapel the last couple of weeks so cornerstone university here yeah. in grand rapids um the president's become a friend of mine so gerson uh, moreno riano and you want to talk about just a spirit-led man that's coming in and there he is moving and shaking but just being led by the holy spirit and so as i was at chapel what he's told me a couple times over the last year is he's like david there's a hunger like i haven't seen mm. And I was like, I, I want to see it. Like, I want to I experience it. So yeah. I went to chapel and oh my goodness. I mean, he's right. You just, it, when you see these students, I mean, these are young adults, right? 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. I mean, these kids are ready to just lay down their lives for the Lord. Mm. Uh, they worship different than a lot of us have worshiped on a Sunday morning in our local context. I mean, you, you walk in, you see this hunger and this desire like this. You know when when you're hungry and you're like, you're hungry, but like you just ate an hour ago. And you're like, I, <laughs> I just kind of want a snack uh, versus like when you're, you're starving. Famished, like, like I'll eat anything. Yeah. Like, get out of my way. I'm going to clear the fridge, clear the pantry. It, <laughs> that type of hunger is what I'm seeing and sensing in these students. And the Holy Spirit is is the cause. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is disrupting things mm-hmm. in their lives. And, and there are different avenues where that's being cultivated that they are drawn to. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not in the local church context. It's just not. So they're finding this in a small group. They're finding this in a ministry. They're finding this in a home church. It's much what we talked about even earlier in the show is, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't the type that always comes in and wants to do something big and grand and mass and on a stage of 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 people. Sometimes it's in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's very quiet. It's reserved. It's in a small group of people. And so where that's coming to life, I mean, there's college students and young adults that are part of our church that are showing up to these ministries and they're baptizing their friends. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no program. They're just baptizing and being led by the Holy Spirit. And it's just, it's contagious. You know, a very similar thing happened in the late sixties and the seventies. You're not old enough, mm-hmm. but I am because I was a boy and I got to see it. Mm-hmm. And it was, 
you know, America went through this cultural revolution in the 60s, sex, drugs, rock and roll, mm -hmm. and the hippies came out of that, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll people, young people, and the Holy Spirit started being poured out on these hippies, mm -hmm. and they became known as the Jesus people. Mm. And my parents were just a bit older than that, and they were mentors for the Jesus people. And they did church differently then. They were the ones who brought drums into the church. And they were the ones who met in small groups and met in basements, and they met in our basement. And I got to see this as a boy, and I saw that God is real. There, were, there was, you know, God was moving not just with young people, but in the Catholic Church and mainline churches, the Holy Spirit was was working, and we had one evening we had forty five people from all different camps of belief, forty five people in our living room on O'Brien Drive in Sheboygan, Michigan, because people were so hungry for God. So this, mm -hmm. what you're saying about kids right now, reminds me of what happened then, mm -hmm. and it hasn't happened since then. And I hear you saying, hmm. I'm starting to think maybe this is going to happen again. Lord, yeah. let it happen again. Yeah. I just, I, I'm so encouraged by it and just what I'm seeing with the, these students and college students and mm -hmm. young adults. And it, the, there's this, there's this hunger and desire. And, and obviously, I mean, what they need is the same thing that I need. It's mm -hmm. all, they, they need shepherding and guidance. They need to do it in community. A revival should happen among generations, among races, among different groups of people, among different, like the, the kingdom of God is a diversification of people of all types. And so so that's where it happens. But man, when you, when you look at this next generation, the weight that they are carrying, just like you said at the beginning, Shauna, it's deeper and it's mm -hmm. heavier and it's way more complex than most of us have ever had to deal with. And I'm no expert on studying, you know, social behaviors and people groups and that sort of thing. But this thought just came to me, Perry, when you were talking about what happened in the 60s and the 70s, there was this time of like sexual freedom and yeah. exploration and all exactly. of that. We're again at a time where it's different because it's more, you know, kind of same sex kind of thing and, mm -hmm. and gender um, questions and all of that. But there's this, there is this, um, atmosphere of go experience whatever you want to experience sexually, this freedom thing that is similar to what was going on in the sixties and seventies. And I wonder, you know, that is a hunger was Freud's statement about, you know, yeah. sexual desires. He said, spiritual longings are frustrated sexual desires. Which we believe to be the exact opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> sexual frustrations are confused spiritual desires. So this, it's a desire for intimacy is what it is. This, this I want to sexually do whatever I want to do yeah. is a desire for intimacy. And so yeah. it makes sense that in the midst of this season of, of you know, the world experiencing these sexual freedoms and whatnot, that this desire for intimacy is yeah. also creating. There are those in this people group who are saying, I'm recognizing what this desire is and it's God. I am hungry for God. He's yeah. the real answer and I'm, I'm not going to settle for anything else. Well, you look at, I mean, this next generation, they are the most connected generation in the world that the, the world has ever seen. Right. I mean, social media, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. I mean, does it, you, you group all those, they're the most connected generation that has ever existed and they're the most lonely generation. 
I mean, it's like the the self-harm, the anxiety, the fear, the doubt, the depression, the divorce, the perversion. I mean, there's so much that they're carrying. And even though they're connected, they're longing for the intimacy mm-hmm. that only the Holy Spirit can provide. And I think that's leading them to a hunger for God to meet them, for them to open up their lives and hearts and, and relationships and careers. They're willing to lay it all down so that he will lead them to the person of Jesus. There is some things to be excited about. There are some things to be very excited about with the next generation. Oh, yeah. Can't agree more. I mean, just what's going on right now, I shared that I've been at Cornerstone's Chapel the last couple of weeks. Uh, so Cornerstone University here in Grand Rapids. And man, just being there, hearing the hunger of students. I mean, whether whether it's in worship, whether it's during the, the sermons and talks and messages. I mean, it, there's just this deep, deep hunger from students in this next generation to experience God on a very personal and intimate level. And that, that just excites me for what's going on right now. Yeah. So tell us about what happened specifically with the student body president and I think the guy that was coming in to speak. Yeah. So uh, I was there a couple weeks ago and uh, the president was actually coming in to speak that day. So he was speaking to, you know, this entire group. I mean, chapel's packed. And uh, what he had told me even ahead of time is he's he's like, David, you're just not going to believe it, man. But like the the hunger here that the students have for God to show up in these chapels is just, it's palpable. And so I was like, man, I want to see it. I want to experience it. So I came, I've been in chapel. So he came in and what he shared even in his message Um, And it was so funny because there was a drummer. I was just uh, fake drumming here off the air for those that couldn't see. I was a drummer too. And so this drummer that was playing during the worship set was just awesome. I mean, just fantastic. And so at, at one point I was sitting in the front row and at one point he kind of looked at me and and now I, I understand a little bit of how people feel like when I preach, like, are you looking at me? Or are you not looking at me? So I was like, is he looking at me? Is he, is he looking? So I'm like, look, I'm trying to give him like crazy eyes. Like, yes, I see you. You are awesome. Like bring crazy it. Eyes. Right. I was just like, I want to fuel this guy. Like you're yeah. awesome. And I, I think I made him uncomfortable because it's like, that guy's weird. I'm just going to keep <laughs> drumming. And, crazy eyes uh, right, that's right. A little but bit I, too much. A little too much. Right. Which is it cares or uh, emblematic maybe of me. But uh, anyway, I, I went up to him afterwards because what the president said during his message, it turns out that drummer was the student body president. Hmm. I, I had no idea, but I'm watching this guy lead. I'm watching him play. I'm watching him just worship as he's drumming. But what the president said really struck me as he said, as I was praying in, as I was coming in today, what the Holy Spirit put on my heart is just the heavy burdens that all of these students are carrying. Hmm with family members who are sick, family members who are lost, with Hurricane Ian, it was right about when that was going to hit. Uh, people who had family down there, friends down there, relatives down there. It, it's like these students were just carrying heavy stuff, mm-hmm. right? And he articulated a bunch. And he said, as I was driving in, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to talk to the burdens. And he said, when we went into prayer beforehand, which was led by this drummer, by the student body president, as he was leading and as he was sensing the Holy Spirit, he what he said in that group, right before they were all going to go in, the whole chapel band is there. They're all just excited, like, mm-hmm. okay, God, we're about to go out. How do you want to lead us? He said, God, I just feel like you're leading us to the burdens. Hmm. You're leading us to the burdens right now. And here's, here's why that just meant so much to me is God is speaking to the next generation and mm. he's prompting their hearts. He's going ahead of them. He's stirring in them this hunger and this desire. And when they, they're sensing him and they're hungry for him, when, because God will show up where God is wanted 
as they want him, God is meeting them and he's using them not just to to lead and impact us, uh, you know, some of the older generations, but he's using them to lead and impact and reach their generation, their friends, their coworkers, their peers, their roommates. And uh, man, it just excites me to see students of all ages right now being led by the Holy Spirit. And that specific message, I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the notes and it, it looks like, you know, the students are carrying these heavy burdens and they, they don't really know what to do with them. Is, is that what's, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I think part of it is they don't know what to do. I think the other part is just the burdens are heavy. Okay. You know, so as you look at like our lives, if I think about just my own life and personal, it's like things that I've carried that are heavier that are heavy are like diagnoses that that don't have a resolve, you know, of right. somebody that you love or or maybe like a, a mystery or an unknown. Maybe maybe it's something, a lot of these things too, a lot of these burdens that I think these students are carrying are invisible to the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's things like anxiety. It's things like depression or rejection or loneliness, doubt, fear, uh, insecurity. As you look at uh, even parents uh, or grandparents that are being diagnosed with things or that are sick or dying or, or it's just the things that this generation, because they're so connected and because of the internet, because of social media, mm-hmm. because of how connected they can be with one another and how quickly, uh, what also comes with that is a weight and a burden that I don't think they know how to carry. Mm. Uh, in fact, I don't know if any of us know how to carry that. Yeah. And so just when what they're carrying, it's just heavy. It's just hard. And, and sometimes what we do when we have those hard burdens is we just self-medicate or we, we look for a release. And uh, I think these students are hungry and they just want God to move and to speak to help release them of that. This whole conversation about the hunger in the next generation makes me think of, you know, the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This next generation is earnestly seeking him. Mm -hmm. Come, Lord Mm -hmm. Jesus, let there be revival. Let it break out in Jesus' name in them. Yeah, and what I hear too is that God is bringing need into people's lives desperation. He's letting these, he's allowing these things to happen because we have to come to the end of ourselves in order to know that we need. Mm -hmm. So really this generation is in a good place because the burden is so heavy and that's the place where, you know, God's power meets our helplessness. Mm -hmm. It always happens. Well, I think too, just in my role, you know, as a, as a pastor in Grand Rapids, and I work with a lot of adults uh, sometimes it's like, okay, what, what can I do? Or how can I help this generation? Or what can I, yeah, I think the biggest thing that we can do for this next generation is to pray for them, mm-hmm. to lift up the things that are not seen, to, to lift up the things in them that they're carrying that we, we, we don't even understand. Uh, I mean, just the complexities and burdens and friends and belonging and all like, like we, uh, we may be tempted to go, well, I get that, but we don't get that in this time, in this day and age, in this level of connectedness. And so th- I think what we can do is we can pray for them, pray for a softness, uh, not even so much in their hearts, but in our hearts, you know, to acknowledge maybe what, what they're carrying, what they're going through is different, but Holy Spirit, would you meet them? Would you lead them? Would you cultivate? Because often what we, what we look for is the evidence of man, that, that they've given everything to the Lord. What we don't see right now is maybe what the Lord is cultivating deep within the secret depths of their hearts and, and they're allowing him access. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let, let's just pray for that and pray for them and pray for God to just meet them and then show us how we can step uh, a- alongside with them 
just to help carry some of this and point them to the person of Jesus. David Dorner of Frontline Community Church. And so, you know, Jen, Jen Z is ages roughly six to 24. And I know that your heart is beating for, for that generation, which you are pretty much kind of on the edge of being a part of, but pray just what's in your heart for Gen mm-hmm. Z right now. Mm-hmm. I think what's in my heart right now is that they, that they would experience God to the fullness and depth that it has taken me my entire life to get to, uh, to this point, mostly just cause I wasn't open to it. And so just as I look at this generation, what I want, I mean, they're, they are, they're not just the future of our country. They're not just the future of our world. They're not just the future families and fathers and mothers and grandmas and grandpas. They're, they're not, the, they're the future of the church. And what I see in um, just this generation, I think the enemy is going after them to destroy them uh, because I, I think they're very special. I, th- I think they're very needed in the kingdom for a unique purpose that God has gifted them. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I get excited about and hungry for. If we're really going after God right now, we probably know what he's putting his finger on mm-hmm. right now, right? Mm-hmm. So at, at the risk of maybe being over practical, sometimes you already know what the Holy Spirit's doing or pushing on or prompting you in your life. So we've spent all morning talking about the Holy Spirit and how he works and how he moves and, you know, the things that he's stirring in different generations and different people and different churches. But um, at the at the risk of being over simplistic here, uh, just as I was working on this and preparing this even for this time right now, I just went, you know, I bet a bunch of people listening already have an idea of what God's poking on in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's somebody that you need to pray for. Maybe it's something that you need to give to. Maybe it's something you need to sell, a place you need to move, a job you need to take, a job you need to leave, a relationship that you need to pursue. Like so many of us, it's man, as we've learned and as we've chased Jesus and followed him, often what he does is he starts pushing on something that he wants us to pay attention to. And our response is often to brush it away or write it off. Keep that thought in that line of conversation. We're talking about what leads to revival, mm-hmm. you know, and an awakening in our hearts, in our country, it has to start with us. And so part of, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, bringing revival, it starts with us and it starts with us surrendering something. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. I mean, if we want to see a revival, revival uh, is a bunch of dead things coming back to life at the same time. And if we can be responsive and obedient to the Holy Spirit, I think what we what we would see, man, if just the church would be responsive and obedient to what the Holy Spirit is prompting them as individuals to do, it would change the landscape of our entire nation, of our entire world, of the church, of generations. If just the church people said, man, here's what God's stirred in my yeah. heart. I want to be obedient to that. Oh, I want to trust goodness. that. I want to lean into that. Okay. So the verse that comes to mind as we're talking about this is John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, mm-hmm. you will obey my commands. Mm-hmm. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. And that helper is the spirit of truth. And the world can't accept him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. Yeah. I mean, this it all comes together. Our obedience, we're, we're talking about revival. We're talking about how we can't have revival if we don't have the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit enables us, you know, tells us what God wants us to do, you know, and then enables us to be obedient Mm -hmm. to it. And it's all in response to love. Mm -hmm. If you love God, you'll be obedient to his commands. I'm, I'm speaking this from personal conviction this morning of just a space, you know, you said, if, 
if you're leaning into God, you probably already know what God wants you to do. There's something in my life that I know that God wants me to do and I'm hesitant. You know what I mean? I'm like, I I, I try to um, justify it as, as a holy caution <laughs> when it's really God saying, girl, I want you to, I want you to be about this. Yeah. I want you to do it. Yeah. Well, often it's so many different things in our hearts or in our lives. Sometimes it's things that we've put too much stock in that God's push, pushing on and he's going, Mm-mm, let it go. Let it go. Come back to me. You're mm. you're putting your hope in that, your faith in that, your security in that, your trust in that. You got to let it go. And so everything inside of us, the humanity part goes, that this is dumb. This is dumb. To, to let this go? No way. But God starts pushing on something going, no, no, come back to me. Come back to me. Find your hope in me. Find your security in me. Other times it's like a forgiveness thing. You know, it's like somebody that hurt us or wronged us, right? And God goes, you need to move towards that person. You can't run away from that. You need to bring healing to that. You you need to bring me into that. And often we go, Mm-mm, nope. I'm, yeah. I'm good with division, separation, and <laughs> anger, and frustration, and resentment, and, and God goes, I'm, I'm pushing here. I'm pushing, and, and it's often like, and here's what I've learned too, when we want God to work in other areas of our life and show up and do big things and cool things and awesome things, often what he brings me back to in my life is that one thing that he's had his finger on for days, mm-hmm. weeks, months, yeah. and it's like, why? Well, I can't do any of that until you and I work through this, Yeah. and my response is, that's unrelated. That doesn't, I'm, let me compartmentalize, right? right? Let me be a waffle. That's the square way over here. And God goes, no, <laughs> yeah. this this is the whole thing. Yeah. This is the whole thing. So often I think that we're, you know, praying for breakthrough. Like God, do, we pray for revival. God, do something. Bring revival. God, do, we, I need breakthrough in this area of my life. Do what only you can do. Mm-hmm. And we're standing outside the gate that needs to be opened, holding the key, which is obedience. And we're like just asking God to do something. And he's just. And he's already laid it on our hearts what we are to do. And the hard part, and you've talked about it a bunch, is obedience. We just don't want to do that thing that he's put on our hearts. And and we look for blessing in other areas of our lives. But I think God just keeps coming back over and over and over going, be obedient to me in this. Even if you don't see why, even if you don't understand it, even if it seems small, even if it seems gigantic, be obedient to me in this. And that is the key that would unlock his presence and his leading in other areas of our lives. I just have a sense. I mean, it's just like you said, David, like you're right now as you're listening, there's something and you know you're being disobedient. I'm sorry to call it out like that, but that's what it is when you're not being obedient. It's disobedience. Mm-hmm. And I just, I believe that Right now is your moment. God's saying, it's time. Let's make a commitment. Let's turn this thing around. Let's let's get the breakthrough that you've been waiting for. What is the one thing that you need to do to step into obedience? David, let's talk a little bit about obedience and what God can do when we're pliable, when we're surrendered. Yeah, when we're open. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, Frontline. So Saturday nights, Brian and I, Brian's my senior pastor. Uh, he and I, before we preach on Sunday, we come in Saturday nights together. We talk, we catch up, and we pray. Uh, but we always we always like bring stuff that's like, here, here's what you can pray about, you know, and uh, like to the other person. So I, I showed up that night, but I, I already knew what I had to bring that night. I mean, early in the day on Saturday. And so when he showed up, we got to that point and he goes, all right, David, what about you? What What do you got? What can I pray for you about tonight? And I looked at him and I went, I've, ah, I've been wrestling with this. And I said, there's somebody in my life I need to forgive. I've been carrying it for weeks or months or years, whatever it's been. It's like, I, I've been carrying this for a long time and it comes in waves in and out. Uh, and it's just hard for me. 
I, I just don't want to. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to let go of this. And he just looked at me and, and I mean, Brian's my boss, but Brian's also my pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and he looks at me and he goes, David, that's okay. I, he goes, that's okay that it's hard for you. But he said the awareness, what God is, it sounds like what God's doing and stirring in you is he wants to do something in that in you. And he goes, maybe maybe all you need to do tonight is just give him access to that. And so we we prayed. We did our time together. I went into my office. So I'm by myself. It's like 10 o'clock, 1030 at night on a Saturday. I'm preaching the next day. And, and I just sat there and I went, okay, God, I'll give you access to this. And, and it's hard, but I don't know why it's hard. And I tell you what, I sat there. I'm not a big crier. You know, I, I'm a big guy. I like to be tough and fun and goofy and all. And I, I sat there for an hour to an hour and a half and I just cried. Wow. And I just started writing down going, what What do I feel? And what's what's God pushing on? What What's he revealing in me? And I tell you what, uh, it, it's like a book or or better illustration. It's an onion. It's like, here, here's the outer layer. Here, Here's the anger. Here's the frustration. But then you get deeper and, okay, here's the hurt. Now here's the pain. Now here's what that's attached to. Mm-hmm. And and it took me to this place of, I had no idea that was connected to this thing that seemed superficial and unimportant. So when we talked about even in the last session, uh, all of us know like when God puts his finger on something in our lives, if we're a Jesus follower, we're aware, like God starts pushing and poking and going, mm-hmm. I want you to pay attention to this. And what we often do is what I do and say, no, <laughs> that's a category of my life. Yeah. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to do. It's separate from everything else. But when we sit in it and when we let God lead us, what he does is he unpacks something that's way bigger and way more uh, all encompassing in our lives. And something that often he wants to free us from or use us in uh, that actually has a chain reaction and repercussions far bigger than we ever, ever imagined. And what I love about that is that you were honest. You said, I don't want to forgive. And that's where it starts. It starts with that honesty. God can work with that. God mm-hmm. can work with our honesty if if we allow him to work with our honesty. And, and it's so beautiful, the Lord's healing work that he did in you that night, that he's continuing to do with you and as we're honest with the Lord about our pain he can heal us too thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna replay to learn more text us at 800-968-8930 that's 800-968-8930